Following is a Bhagavad Gita class given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on November 7th, 2007. The class begins with a reading from the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, verse 9. Translation By His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada O Dhananjaya, Arjuna all this work cannot bind me. I am very uh, detached. I am ever detached from all these material activities, seated as though neutral. Translation of repetition. O Dhananjaya. O Dhananjaya. All this work cannot bind me. All this work cannot bind me. I am ever detached. I am ever detached. From all these material activities. From all these material activities. Seated as though neutral. Seated as though neutral. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. One should not think in this connection that the Supreme Personality of God has no engagement. In his spiritual world he is always engaged. In the Brahma Samhita 5.6 it is stated. Atmaramasya tasyasi prakritya samagamaha. Translation. He is always involved in his eternal blissful spiritual activities, but he has nothing to do with these material activities. Material, acti- unquote, material activities are being carried on by his different potencies. The Lord is always neutral in the material activities of the created world. This neutrality is mentioned here with the word Udasinavat. Although he has control over every minute detail of material activities, he is sitting as if neutral. The example can be given of a high court judge sitting on his bench. By his orders so many things are happening. Someone is being hanged, someone is being put into jail, someone is awarded a huge amount of wealth, but still he is neutral. He has nothing to do with all that gain and loss. Similarly, the Lord is always neutral, although he has his hand in every sphere of activity. In the Vedanta Sutra 2.1.34 it is stated, Vaishamya Noyaginyena he is not situated in the dualities of this material world. He is transcendental to these uh, dualities. 
nor is he attached to the creation and annihilation of this material world. The living entities take their different forms in the various species of life according to their past deeds, and the Lord doesn't interfere with them. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta Swami translation purport to text 9, chapter 9 of the Bhagavad Gita as it is, in the matter of the most confidential knowledge. So here it says that the Supreme Lord is Udasinavat. Udasin means that he is detached. Like he's a, a detached person as far as the material world is, being, is concerned. He creates the material energy and gives the certain rules by which the material energy functions. Durga is known as the Durga means a prison house or a fortress. Very hard to get out of the fortress. So this material world is like a big prison house, a Durga, like a fort. So very hard to get out of this uh, material world. Daivigesha gunamai mama maya durattaya mamevaje papadyante maya mitam trantite. Daivigesha gunamai, this uh, material world is uh, my divine energy, this material energy. And to overcome it is very difficult. Mama maya durattaya. Durattaya means very difficult. Mamevaje papadyante. But if someone surrenders unto me, Mayametam Talantite, then I deliver them from this material world. We can't get out, like if some, sometimes there's some famous movie, a prisoner is breaking out from Alcatraz, when it used to be a prison house, things like that. Maybe, I, I don't know if anybody broke out from there, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. There's a pretty tough place, some island in the, off the bay, right? Yeah, just here. So, this considered part of the Bay Area, Sacramento, or that's yeah, kind no, of Central yeah. Valley. It's no, it's Central Valley. Central Valley. Central Valley. Central Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thought the Bay Area was like Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco. It's really like a hundred miles. Yeah, north, south, east, north, north, east. Central California. Mm-hmm. Valley, they grow crops and elevation, altitude. How far is so if you want to get out of a prison, the best way is to be released by the authorities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll give you back your cloth and your documents and everything and say, thank you very much, goodbye, see, hope you don't see you again. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, we also, Iskhan is uh, doing what they call prison uh, preaching, where we uh, also, some of our senior devotees, they go to the prisons and uh, do programs. Here in North America, there's uh, many such uh, prisons which are visited. I don't know if any of you are doing that here. 
That's a, you know, GBC asked uh, our congregational ministry to take over that uh, oversight. But there's specific devotees who are doing it as a project, but they're under our umbrella. When I was just uh, recently in uh, Bolivia, I also visited the prison there. And I gave an initiation inside the prison. Oh, Ecuador. Oh, sorry, it was Ecuador. Cuenca, Ecuador, yeah, you're right. And uh, in India, we have, in uh, all over India, and the Delhi devotees are cultivating not only the prisoners, but the prison keepers and Tihar jail in Delhi. There's just like 10,000 prisoners in there, one of the biggest in the world, or the biggest, I'm not sure. But they have a program both for the prisoners and for the, the keepers, the jail keepers, whatever they call staff members. And also in Lucknow they have a program. In Tamil Nadu we have eight programs. So some people are there for a long time, their life imprisonment, so they settle down into some long term chanting and reading, become expert at playing the Dranga. Some people under trials. In India they mix them all up. I don't think in America they mix them all up. But I don't know the system in America exactly. Under trial means that there's still hope that they won't get sentenced and that they're under appeal or something. A lot of them tended to ask me for blessings to get out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they are enthusiastic. Uh, I had about 120 people come at the Madras jail. So, Haridas Thakur, he's uh, like our patron saint for prisoners. Because when he was chanting Hare Krishna, he was born in a Muslim family. And so 500 years ago, he was chanting Hare Krishna in a Muslim kingdom. And the news came out to the king who was a, a Nawab. He was a kind of a sultan or something, and a Nawab. I don't know the difference between the Nawab and the Sultan and the Mir and all that, but they have their own titles. But uh, he was uh, some kind of ruler. And uh, so they arrested uh, Haridas Thakur and brought him to the royal court. So they asked him that you're being born a Mohammedan while you're chanting uh, the names of the Hindu gods. He said, well, there's only one god. And in Islam they chant his, him as Allah. And in uh, Sanatan Dharma they call him as Krishna. Like that in every religion they have a different name for God. Now, there are many Hindus who like to chant the name of Allah and they became Muslims. They don't have any problem with that. When one Muslim likes to chant the name of Krishna, then what's the problem? I'm not harming anybody, I'm just saying the name of God. I believe there's only one God and Allah is Krishna, Krishna is Allah, it's all different names, but they somehow the name of Krishna that I'm very much attached to and I'm just not able to stop chanting that. So the Nawab and the ruler, he thought, you know, it's not anything illogical what he's saying, it's quite logical. So he was about ready to let him go, but his priest, 
who was a mula, you know, some imam, Ayatollah. <laughs> he uh, he said no. Like this, if one starts to chant the names of the, you see, of uh, Krishna, then soon maybe everybody will do it. <laughs> then what will happen to our religion? We have to think of the thing practically. What he is doing is an offense. He should be punished because no Muslim should chant the Hindu God name. That was his, you know, very profound religious verdict. This was the problem that the whole world's been under. Is that there's uh, there's been no freedom of religion for a long time, and. Uh, so actually what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement was doing was freeing that people should be able to follow the system of spirituality that they get more inspiration from. So anyway, then the ruler was pressed so hard by his ayatollah that then he said, okay, then arrest him, put him in the jail. So he was put into jail. There in his cell he's chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. So he's laughing and he's smiling and chanting. So the prisoner said, "What's wrong with you? Crazy or something?" We're in the prison house. We're supposed to be suffering. Why are you so happy? No, you see, I'm not kept bound by this prison. Because I have the holy names of Krishna to chant. You see, actually all of you are very fortunate. Huh? What? You're calling us fortunate? Rotting in this hellhole, this prison? We're going to beat you. You're making fun of us. No, I'm not making fun of you. Really are fortunate. Because this whole material world is our prison house. But everybody gets so big and it's such so much variety that people think that they're free. They don't realize they're just in a big prison. So they have a lot of room to walk and move and, but they're all under very stringent laws. They don't have the full freedom. They don't know it. But you being in this little confined prison, you're aware that you're in a prison. Therefore, you know it. That makes you more fortunate because you're closer to the reality. And if you also chant Hare Krishna with me, then your whole consciousness will be liberated. What is a mantra? Man means mind. And tra means to liberate. How many want to be liberated from this prison house? Oh, we all want to be liberated. So then, if you want to be liberated from the prison house, you should chant. This is the real way of getting liberation. So like this, he started the kirtan and all the prisoners started to chant. So they're chanting and dancing and they actually start to feel very blissful. So then, the word got back to the king, the nawab. You are the happiest prisoners in the whole world. <laughs> Why the prisoners are there? They're supposed to suffer. Now the idea about prisoners is rehabilitation. 
But before the idea was punishment, and that this will teach them a lesson. In spite of being punished, the rate of a prisoner once they're released going back to crime is very high. Even in, uh, like in Malaysia, they have this uh, drug rehabilitation centers. So our devotees go to some of them and give uh, courses on uh, mantra. They said that although the, that you have to either take this drug rehabilitation, otherwise you go to jail. And uh, if you have a small amount and you're just a user, then you can get drug rehabilitation. If you have a big amount, you're considered a dealer, death penalty. They're very heavy there about... Uh, some Australian was translating Malaysia and they caught him with a bigger quantity of some kind of drug, death penalty. They didn't care. Australia got a rule and was requesting leniency. This is our rule. You come in our country with drugs, you'll die. By the neck. In Singapore, it's the same, same law. Well, only Thailand's a little bit lenient. It's a relative. So anyway, our devotees are giving this program for the drug uh, users, this uh, rehabilitation. They found that 60% uh, didn't go back to drugs, who chanted Hare Krishna. But the others who didn't take the program, 80% went back to drugs. A lot of people looking, what is the solution? So many ills in the society. People learn to take shelter of the mantras. The most effective. So Haridas Thakur was showing that during his uh, sojourn in the jail, the prisoners became happy. They reported that to the Nawab. But then they had this idea that prisoners should be suffering. So then they said, okay, bring Haridas Thakur here. What are you doing? We'll put you in prison because you are breaking the law, you're chanting the names of God, of Hindu gods. Everyone thinks Hindu gods, it's actually Krishna's supreme Godhead. He's not God of the Hindus, or the... He's God of everybody. In fact, one of the names of Krishna is Jagannath, Lord of the universe. So he's in charge of the, all the universes, Anantakoti Brahmanda. So what do you have to say for yourself, the Nawab and Sarilastava said, you see, when we sing the name of God, which all the scriptures tell us, so do we feel spiritually happy, peaceful? This is our ultimate duty, is to serve the Lord. So like that, I simply talk to prisoners to chant the names of God, they're doing and they're feeling uh, some relief. We're not harming anybody. They're actually becoming good people. Again, they think that one Nawab, he wasn't a bad person really. He said, okay, well, what's the big deal if the chain names a guy to become reformed? No! They must be punished! They're Muslims! A Muslim must chant Allah and not chant Krishna. He should be killed for his offense. He should be whipped in 22 markets, vice bazaar, 
बस बाजार में वज्रघाट देना होगा वेरी थोन डाउन वेरी प्लेजेंट वेरी कैजुअल मूवी ऑफ दिस वीरा लाइफ ऑफ हरी दस ठाकुर इंडियन सेंसर बोर्ड वन इन अप्रूव टू पोलिटिकली सेंसिटिव बिकॉज इट्स अबाउट अ पर्टिकुलर रिलीजन But it wasn't done in any. It was done just as a historical. It was shown actually how everybody, in the end, everyone became very uh, united. But somehow they didn't pass it. So it was a very nice movie, a whole feature-length movie, made by Hari Das Prabhu, our godbrother. Maybe somebody was made in Hindi, I think. I'm not sure. It must be Hindi. It was India, but. Uh, Maybe they can market it overseas. Mm-hmm. I saw excerpts. It's a nice movie. Wasn't meant to. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't have all respect for every religion. That's what this is, teaches. He just talked very. Never offended. Never said anything against Allah. He just said he likes to chant the name of Krishna. That's a very. The people should be able to chant the name of God they want to chant. If someone in America wants to chant Allah, nobody objects. What's the objection if someone wants to chant uh, Krishna, or they want to chant Jesus, whatever name they want to chant, they can chant it. That was the basic message. Anyway, they took Hari Das Thakur away, <coughs> and in 22 marketplaces they whipped him with this, uh, <coughs> with this uh, whipping whips and canes, and so normally two, three whippings will die. But in 22, there's nothing left. It's been shredded to nothing. The local people objected. They said, "No, no, he's a saint. Why do you want to whip him? He said, 'We whip the murderers, whip the rapists, we whip the criminals. What kind he did? Singing the names of God. This is a reason to be whipped.' There was like a big turmoil, and they didn't like at all what was happening to the common people." Maybe a few fanatics. So then I said that uh, actually, while being whipped, Hari Das Thakur was praying that let the executioners be forgiven. But they do not know what they do. Krishna, please forgive them. And then somehow he didn't feel any more of the whippings, although they whipped him mercilessly. In twenty-two marketplaces, at the end of all of it, he was healthy, sound. So the executioners became very frustrated. They sat with their head in their hands, depressed. The Lord, I mean, Hari Das Thakur said, "Why are you so unhappy? What's wrong? We're very unhappy because you're alive." <laughs> Why am I making being alive makes you unhappy? No, because we're executioners. We should be dead. Now the king will punish us because somehow we didn't kill you. I mean, if I die, you'll be happy. Oh yes, sir. If you die, you'll be very happy. Okay, then I'll die for you. 
Haridas Thakur is such a well-wisher of everyone. Even as the execution of Hei Dhamma then he lied down and he went into Divikalp Samadhi, very profound, deep meditation. So that no more breathing was uh, ascertainable and no more heartbeat. But he wasn't dead, he was in trance. So the executioners informed the king he's dead. Like, ah, what is this? See all bogus things. They said he was a saint. He died. <laughs> this was their criteria. Whip you to death, 22 marketplaces. If you survive, you're a saint. <laughs> so, said, okay, bury him. But then that Nawab came with that, uh, that um, uh, Ayatollah and he said, no, don't bury him. Because if you bury him, his soul may have peace. Don't burn him because he may get peace there also. Throw his body in the river. Let it float in the river and let the fish and the vultures and the crows and the dogs eat the body so it will never have any peace. The soul will roam because of his great offense, chanting non-Islamic names of Krishna, of God. So then, I think, okay, throw him in the river. You know, just say whatever this uh, Ayatollah was saying, he was following. So then they took the. They tried to take the body. They couldn't lift it actually because. He was meditating on Krishna so deeply. And Krishna has got, uh, he's a total of everything. So he was weighing more than the whole universe. They couldn't move him at all. They brought elephants, they brought lots of men, ropes. But Haridas Thakur wasn't moving. They started getting frightened. But then also Krishna is heavier than the heaviest, he's lighter than the lightest. Suddenly became very light, the wind started to blow him. Then somebody picked him up like a balloon and carried him to the river and threw him in the river. Then he is floating on the top of the water, he's so light now. And then he's uh, more on the middle of the river, then he touched the water and he became conscious. And he started swimming to the other side. Then he started chanting and he waved to the king and Haribo. <laughs> <laughs> he's resurrected from the dead. I just saw this dead man resurrect from the dead. He's such a saint. And he got a boat, went over the other side, ran after Haridas Thakur, fell at his feet, grabbed his feet, said, please forgive me. Then his uh, mullah came and said, no, no, you get out of here. You've misguided me so many times. This is a real saint. But the mullah wasn't paying attention. The king, he also grabbed Haridas Thakur's feet, said, forgive me. You're a great saint. You're up here. You're a guru. Give me your blessings. Forgive me. So Haridas Thakur said, I'll only forgive you if you give the order that in your kingdom anybody can chant any name of God they want. No restriction. And it's free to do the Harinam Sanketan in your kingdom. So they agreed, yes, yes, please forgive us. They knew they are going to burn in hell for all the suffering they caused to this pure devotee. So 
So like this, then uh, that kingdom became open for preaching. So like that. We're in the prison of the material world. Haridas Thakur, he showed how even in the prison of the prison, we can be happy if we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. So, people don't know they're in a prison. They wonder why there's so much suffering in the material world, why there's suffering in a prison. People are doing bad karmas. When I was in uh, Peru, as I was leaving, I read the newspaper, and then they had horrible pictures. I couldn't describe one of the dealers, but the price of milk was uh, down. So the lecheros, the uh, milkmen, they took their cows and they killed like hundred cows on the street, leaving the everything. Horrible picture of dead cows on the street without being too graphic. And uh, because they said, what's the use? We don't, we can't get good money for our milk. You don't give us enough money, so we have to kill them. Horrible thing. So, so, so many sinful things go on, how many billions of animals are being killed. There was... Uh, we're riding here, uh, not to here, but to uh, Arizona from L.A. And the lady that was with us, she's uh, eating uh, meat and then she said, why you people are vegetarian? So I explained to her that animals, you don't have to eat animals to be healthy. That animals also have feel pain, they suffer. And since there's no crisis of uh, fruits, vegetables, grains, no products, why should we kill animals? We cause that suffering unnecessarily to some other creature, we don't need it to survive, then we have to suffer for that. I said, well, what's wrong with fish? Then I explained to her that you see that fish also have uh, feelings and they also suffer apart from that. The fish, if you can eat fish, you can eat anything because fish are scavengers in the water. If there's a dead body, they'll also eat the dead body. <coughs> So eating fish is like eating dead human body, the animal body, so many body things. Don't tell me anymore, don't please! <laughs> no, I cannot eat fish anymore either. Oh, you know so many things. No, I'm not going to be able to eat meat, eat fish after what you told me. <laughs> right? He was with me. Unfortunately, people... They are not so considerate. It's actually barbaric. Prabhupada says barbaric to unnecessarily eat meat. Vedic culture, they okay when the chan, uh, there's a system you can eat meat, but that's for people who uh, cannot avoid it, then they can do a puja to Kali on the Amavasya night, and then uh, like, of a goat, and they have to say a mantra to the goat in the ear. And if you don't know what the mantra means, that I'm killing you now, in the next life you can kill me. Mamsa karati iti mamsa. Mamsa karati iti mamsa. Iti mamsa. 
I am killing you now, you can kill me later. <laughs> yeah, that's the laws of karma. Now you, if you actually know what you're doing, you might have a second thought, do I really want to eat this animal? You go into the supermarket, everything's all packed up, nice plastic cover, everything. But you don't see the sign, eat this and you'll be killed also. Why people are dying in wars in distant places, why there's so many car accidents and violence, we wonder why. But we don't see the reason that we're also killing. So this month of Damodar, this month is especially in India, in the, in the Vedas, it said this month is specially recommended to be a vegetarian. And if it can't be any other month, at least this month you should be get a hundred times the benefit. Kartik and Vaishak, uh, these two months are vegetarian months. So we hope everybody here, of course maybe you're already all vegetarian, but for those of us who are already vegetarian, we do a token, we don't take red dog, which is very high, it's actually more high protein than meat. I saw a chart once, 36, I think, what I remember, it was just I saw it once, that, that meat was 36 uh, percent uh, protein, and uridal was like 38, and then the soya was uh, 42, something like that. Uridal, I may be slightly off, I'm not, just whatever, you can, we can check it out, I guess, on the internet, but... Uh, some made a chart. Soya was actually more than me. Everybody, everybody lives Yeah, okay. So we are preaching to the uh, choir. Some people are vegetarian, but then they eat onion and garlic, which is like vegetable meat. Because the karma of killing meat is all uh, came out into this uh, onion and garlic. So this month should be also onion garlic free. What about the green onions? Is it different? <laughs> green or brown is there any difference? <laughs> the idea was in Puranas it says that some king on his chariot he accidentally uh, ran over a cow and killed a cow. So killing a cow in the Vedic time that was a very serious thing. So out from that cow came onion and garlic coming out from the dead cow animal, I mean carcass. So, so that karma of killing that cow came out in those two vegetables, whatever, those two plants. Strange. There's some kind of similar to a onion in Manipur. I don't know what they call it, but it's not onion, it doesn't have such a smell. But it's something similar, then they eat that, they say it's okay. I don't know, but, uh, but maybe other, other like relatives of the plant, I don't know, but what everyone knows, onion and a garlic, these two things have got this effect. You eat it, it'll affect you like as if you ate meat. Make more passion, more anger, more short temper, and some karma. So. But if it's green or ripe, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think there's any, just like an animal, if it's young or old, if you kill it, it's the same. I, f I feel sure we're asking that the green tea should have come out. Isn't it? Scallions? Yeah. The, no, like, spring onions. 
like when the you know the child, child one those tissue come out like like that little plants yeah yes sir uh, uh. <laughs> so if it's the same plant then I don't wouldn't, wouldn't expect there be any difference but uh, there's some distant relative maybe it's okay <coughs> Like then we don't eat onion, uh, we don't eat mushroom, but mushroom doesn't have any karma with it. Prabhupada said even you can eat mushroom, but the point is it's not offerable to Krishna because we only offer Krishna things in the more of goodness. It's a fungus. So it's not offerable to Krishna, but it doesn't have the same stigma like uh, onion or garlic. You don't break any principle, you're not hurting, it's just some fungus that's growing. So it's not a nice enough thing. There's many things we don't offer to Krishna. But doesn't have karma. Like in in uh, Southeast Asia, Sri Lanka, they have this uh, fruit called the durian. This stinks. They said that it uh, tastes like heaven, stinks like hell. <laughs> <laughs> no temple, whether Shiva, Durga, Morgan, anything, Krishna, Vishnu, nobody offers that fruit to their deities. For the people they eat it. But I don't know I don't know that what's the karma of that fruit, but we have never heard of it. But some things are not offerable but may not have a big uh, karmic but onion garlic has a karma to it. So that's but that's why so many are vegetarians in India but the mostly vegetarian uh, restaurants also have onion garlic. That's isn't it? I mean it's uh when I first came to India in 1917, that time uh, petrol price was 60 paisa. And there was a leap from 60 to 160. And it was a big, uh, you know, I don't say riots, but demonstrations in the street. How they're raising from 60 to 160. Now it's at 45 rupees, uh, 48 rupees. But here also you're paying not for gas. Like, America used to be like 95 cents. Yeah. Now it's uh, $3-$4. So, at that time, when I would go in South India, they would have restaurants called Udupi Hotels. Udupi Hotels. And that were pure vegetarian, no onion or garlic. But now I don't find the too many hotels without onion garlic. Not that I eat in hotels, I just made inquiry. But anyway, this month, if you do any spiritual activity apart from that, here, Madhaji, you should get the remnants. Can we have an, some lady can get to her? Sachi Prema Bhakti, you put it on her. Put it on her. No, no, you put it on her. <laughs> so that many people, that, in fact, like the Delhi government came down one year because the price of onion went too high. <laughs> people are very attached to their onions. <laughs> so we have, like, like this Kali makes things complicated. 
So we're trying to get people just, uh, if they want to do one month, hundred times we get the benefit. So that would be very good for people's spiritual progress. Balaram, Hare Krishna. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> So this chapter of Bhagavad Gita also is considered a very special chapter. I don't remember exactly the whole, all the story right in Padma Puran, but more or less what I remember is uh, pretty much accurate about it, just maybe a few details I don't remember. That there was some, uh, somebody had been cursed. And he had so much bad karma on him that he called it like a kala purusha or something. It was just like a, like some kind of deathly uh, personality was chasing him. So he's trying to get freed from that. And somebody advised him, you read the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, this gets rid of curses and all kinds of black magic and different things. So then... Uh, he read the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, and even this uh, evil personality tried to attack him or something, but couldn't do anything. He was protected. In short, there was maybe a few more, some more details. But, but this ninth chapter is uh, considered very powerful to get rid of any kind of analytic influence that people are sending away, or that you've already got. So it's very powerful free one from all kinds of bad influences. Many people get confused. What is the actual position of God? Even recently I read in a newspaper that Mother Teresa in India before I left not ago, that she had doubts whether there really exists a God. Because people, she saw so many people suffering, how could God let people suffer? This verse is the ninth chapter, very important because the, the, Krishna creates the material world, but he puts under charge of the material nature, and she creates, maintains, and destroys everything. Shristi, stiti, pralaya, sadhana, ekam, durga. So durga runs the whole show. According to her laws that she's given by Krishna, laws of karma, laws of... So it's not... Krishna is minutely he can control anything he he's, uh, can allow but he, he it says here Uda seen what he remains like neutral like some crazy guy wants to kill someone so whether karmically those people deserve to kill okay they're not they're not veggies they they did them maybe two lives before somebody killed this one another okay if they're killed. I mean, their karmas are also wiped clean for that. So all these things are instantaneously calculated. Somebody survives, someone dies. But Krishna remains as if neutral. He doesn't take any personal involvement, except for his devotees. For his devotees, he may back to Pranashati, my devotee will never perish. The devotee will be saved and brought back. That doesn't mean we're not going to die. Everyone born in the material world has to die. Everyone who dies, if they don't go back to Krishna, then they'll be born again. So we're trying to give people the tickets to go back to Krishna. Don't be born again. 
when I was there, for in Mayapur, for Radhastami, then I saw my dear godbrother Nirguna Prabhu. He got a cancer in his uh, spine and his lungs. So it was wrapped around his spine and it was such a strange position that they said they couldn't operate, they couldn't do the normal things they do because it would destroy his spine. And he died anyway without his spine. That's what they said, you know, I don't know. So he came to India because they said there was no hope for him. He tried some alternative, some homeopathic. That wasn't working either. Gradually he was losing weight, losing blood pressure. When I went to see him, he was uh, there for that. He wasn't quite... Uh, he said, no, actually, now that I, I've just decided that I, you know, I mean, I realize that this is it. So I feel a tremendous relief when you're... But okay, now I'm going, just preparing myself. They took him to the Radhastami Abhishek and they lifted his soul thin, they lifted him up and he bathed the deities, Radha and Krishna. And every day devotees are going and reading to him and chanting. They told me about three, four days ago that he uh, he went to sleep in the night. I mean, normally sometimes he couldn't sleep and at this night he went to sleep, got up at, in the morning and then when he got up he just was smiling. And he raised his hands up in the air and he's chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And Kurma Prabhu, you have outside the Kurma's cookbook. He's also our guy. He was chanting for seven hours <coughs> non-stop. And for three hours he's smiling and raising his arms in the air and chanting. And then like that, smiling he goes away. How many people die smiling? <laughs> He was a great book distributor. He was a great book distributor, very humble devotee. No, Nirguna. Kurma is still alive, Krishna. We're an endangered species. <laughs> like that, some are living in very auspicious ways with the devotees chanting. The whole room was packed, so how the word got out. Everybody was there chanting and chanting. And, uh, in the month of Damodar, in the holy place of Navadvipa, Direct. Back to home, back to Godhead. <coughs> So this Archa, we stay in the material world, birth after birth after birth after birth, and according to our karmas, sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're suffering. So if we know the rules, if we don't uh, do the bad karmas, uh, maybe we can enjoy a little more, but we won't get free. But if you surrender to Krishna, then he says, that I take you back to me. I'll cross you over this ocean of birth and death. When we don't want it's different kinds of moksha. We don't want the merging moksha where you merge into the light. We want the moksha where we serve Krishna eternally. Like Hanuman, he was offered by Ram to give him moksha. So there's five types of moksha. One is saucha, which means merging, and the other four is the saloki, having of being in the same planet as the Lord, sarupya, the same form, sharshti, the same opulences, and samipya, being in his close association. These four types of liberation are accepted by devotees 
for the purpose of offering devotional service. But Sahara, Hanuman, he said, I don't want, you're my master, I'm your servant, I don't want anything to come in the way of our relation. If I merge into the jyoti or something, I don't, then I'll forget that you're my master and I'm your servant. So the devotees, they don't want this uh, merging. That's what the, in fact, Krishna, when he kills the demons, they merge. So what's, like, these uh, uh, Advaitavadi Gyanis, they're merging, and the demons are merging. So the devotees should get something better than that. So they go to the Vaikuntha planet and they live eternally with Krishna. Many people, they don't realize this. They just think that there's only merging. Usually most of the... In India, I've seen so many of these uh, public dramas. And it had one drama of Mirabai and how she was doing all these sacrifices and dedicated to Krishna. But at the end of the drama, she, she said she achieved Krishna, then said they merged. That's not the truth. Why... why Mira wants to merge. She, she wants to be the wife of Krishna. She wants to serve Krishna. This merging is for the demons and for the mayavadis and impersonalists. They like to merge. They really want to be one with God. But we become one while unity and diversity. We're one but we're same master and servant. That's why this eternal Leela, Radha and Krishna, Krishna and Balaram, Mother Yasoda and Krishna. This is a, they're in total harmony, total oneness, but out of love. This is bhakti yoga to engage in the loving service of the Lord. Not to merge. Merging is something. It says for the devotees, some great acharyas, some great saints prayed that when I think of merging, it's like for me, hell. I don't want that at all. I want to serve Krishna eternally. <coughs> so this is uh, what Bhakti Yoga is. Uh, that the impersonalists, they don't understand what is the meaning of Bhakti. Bhakti Yogis understand what is merging, but they don't want at all. I'm really happy to be here and Sacramento. Sacrament means uh, the Holy Scripture. It's a good place to read the Scripture, I guess. <laughs> In Spanish, uh, Sacramento means sacrament. To read the script, Sacrament and Scripture. So this should be a place where the Bhagavad Gita is preached more. We do a special program for all the Holy Scriptures of the world. So these are all the sacraments. Hindu, Muslim, Jew, and uh, what else? I mean, uh, Christian. And do a puja, sacrament, annual sacramental puja. Some call this an interfaith program. Any questions? A, a friend of mine 
Dr. Paul. Oh, uh, Paula is a Sanskrit name. Means protector, care one who gives care. One of Krishna's name is Palaka, and Radharani's name is Palika. Pal, also it means governor, king, Rajapal. So Paul is they have a Vedic name. They always say it means small in uh, English. So I hope I didn't like the name very much. <laughs> <laughs> so tomorrow you want a new name. <laughs> or I should incorporate it. Uh, I can incorporate have disciples called Palika, Palaka, Goranga, Palaka, Palaka, Goranga. You want to incorporate Paul in it or totally new? Think about it. But <laughs> <laughs> tell me what's your question, sir. Oh, uh, uh, a friend of mine, that he's like, I've known him for a long time, he, he uh, had a conflict with his girlfriend, he went to jail, and uh, I picked him up, and he was uh, totally, you could tell he'd been in there, he didn't shave for a while, and he smelled like it also, and <coughs> we're driving, and he would just, he's not at all Krishna conscious, hardly, he has a Gita, but uh, he's not practicing, and uh, he was, he was, uh, Understanding how the the world is like a prison and it's really just like jail. Everybody's outside, but it's just like being inside that place. See, there's also there's a, something called smasan vairagya. Sometimes when you're uh, relatives, a mother, father, uncle, brother, friend, somebody dies, then for a little while, what's the use of life? Why am I here for? Why do I can look at everyone's dying? So they feel a little bit detached. That's called smasan. Smasan means the burning god, the crematorium. When people visit the crematorium and they burn their relative, they cremate them, they feel a little bit of uh, renunciation. But then after a while, that passes. Because life is going on, people are doing what they do, and so then pretty soon they just forget about it. So if he could keep that realization and say, now you want to get out of the prison, get him to chant, get him to take us some positive step to get out, have him show, show him the parts about where it actually says this, and get him some good association. Then as you see, turn him from just kind of a crematorium, uh, crematorium uh, renunciation to something more profound. Otherwise, after all, then he'll be with the friends and they're drinking and doping and this and that, whatever the people do. And, He'll be back as it is back, and then you know, who knows what's going to happen. So that's why this kind of, a, he had a, at that moment a good time to preach to people. But a little bit receptive then, a little bit open. Otherwise people tend to be very proud, especially if they're enjoying. Like if someone just won the lottery, lotto or something, 60 million, you tell them, now we know, so... You might not be so receptive. <laughs> but now you're going to be happy, I got so many millions. And when I went to the prison just to see these people, then when I came out, I started the itch. <coughs> It seemed like I got a few, what they call, pulgas, a few uh, 
Please. I don't have any now, don't worry. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it seemed like I had these little bite marks. I took a shower, got rid of all the clothes. One of the, because this was a South American prison, maybe a little more dirty. I don't know, American, American prison, like, I don't know if they have fleas too. But I read an article today that says that now in America, bed bugs are back. Even in the hotels, you get bed bugs. And in the TV theaters, you get bed bugs. And it showed three pictures a bed bug which was empty, a bed bug which was half full with blood, and a bed bug which was fully fat with blood. So the bed bugs eat, all, eat off your love, blood. And they can hide in your house for one year without dying, without eating. Wow, that's like survival. Uh, Even in America, you get bed bugs. In India, Tamal Krishnamaras told me a story that he was in the court for Prabhupada's probate. That means the will, the, the will you know, the final testament will that uh, they had to go to the court and get the probate decided by the judge. So. They were sitting in the bench, and the, this wooden uh, benches for the witnesses and <coughs> litigants. And they were getting bit by bed bugs. So then one of the court people told him, put down your legal papers on the bench and sit on that. And these are actually lawyers who were sucking the blood of their clients. They took birth as the bed bugs, and now they're still stucking the blood. <laughs> but they have respect for the legal papers. If you put it down, they won't bite you. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's any lawyer here. <laughs> you don't know what birth people take. You know, if someone's an honest person, they just take their right payment and you know but, but if someone's really squeezing and cheating some people might be like that to unnecessarily <coughs> squeeze out their clients then you know i mean some karma is going to happen i don't i have no way of verifying if they took birth as a bed bug but tamal krishna told me after he put the legal paper they didn't bite him anymore <laughs> Yeah, the one in the wheelchair. He used to distribute the books from San Diego. Yeah. And he passed away too. He was going to pass away on the first day of Kartik. And then what happened is um, Dravida was going to have to leave that day from San Diego. So then what happened is, no, I want Dravida here. So then they, did, they were doing Kirtan and everything. And finally he left his body. In Kartik also. Oh, right like the day before. A day, just the day before. He could have left on Kartik, but Kavita was going to have to leave the Kartik day. So he said, no, I want Kavita here when I pass away. So, and then all the chanting and everything, and he went deep inside and was gone. Well, that was Purnima. The day before Kartik is Purnima. 
That's also auspicious. Maybe that even during the Purnima, the Kartik might have started. Yeah. You know, the Titis sometimes start even, if it starts even a minute after the sunrise, then it will be considered the next day. But we're still within that, Kartik, in other sense. So he was also chanting in that. Oh, yeah, they were chanting, everyone was chanting around him, and he was chanting too, and then, you know, then he went, because he had tubes. But he used to go out four and five days a week in a wheelchair. And it got to the point where he couldn't even reach in his bag. And he'd tell the people, just go in my bag and take what you want. <laughs> he didn't tell it. You know. So distributing books in Still distributing books in a wheelchair like that. He, he couldn't even move. I mean, was just, and he leaned back. Is that really special people? Oh, yeah. yeah he, was, he was quite amazing. And you have the devotee here, I think last time we were here I saw Srinam and now he's... Oh yeah, yeah we did his uh, cremation. So while we're here we should chant Hare Krishna. Book our ticket. It's like tomorrow night I'm flying back to uh, Asia. But I had to book my ticket ahead. <coughs> Flights are all full. I booked one month ahead and I lost the booking. Then again I had to go on the wait list and somehow I got reconfirmed. So you had to book ahead. If you want to go back to Krishna, you should book ahead. Some people think, well, I just chant Hare Krishna last minute. It's so easy. Anarayanam Antam Smritim. If we think of Narayana at the time of going away, we'll go back. But at that time, there's so many thoughts can come in the mind. My dog, my cat, <laughs> my business. Prabhupada <laughs> said once he went to a friend who was passing or was sick, the doctor said he had like a week to live. And then he was, he, he was there and then he told us, a patient asked the doctor, just give me one more year. <laughs> <clears throat> I just invested, you know, so many lakhs of rupees in my company, and one more year I'll double my money. The <laughs> 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 so I was thinking, he's being told he's going to die. One more year, if he dies with double the money, or the same. <laughs> so much focused in his business. Not thinking side by side, we have to prepare our, develop our relationship with Krishna, awaken that love in our heart. At the same time we do our business, as long as we're here we do our responsible tasks. We should do side by side, but some people they're only focused on the materials and they like, even they're given a warning they don't think. For the devotees, you know, death is not a morbid thing. It's not a, something that, it's just we're going to leave this uh, uh, dimension and we go back to Krishna. It's our final test. Our whole life we're preparing for the exams. All of you have children who are students still. You prepare for your test. So this is our final test. At that moment if we're able to remember Krishna, and Krishna promises those of my devotee they won't perish. He'll help them.
got a question? You know, I don't really understand this verse very well, how, um, he's like, Krishna's neutral, but he has his hand in everything. It's like, he's like the judge, he makes his decisions, but he's not, doesn't have any feelings for it, so. It just seems like how do we feel? It almost neutral makes it seem like he's like distant and not we're not really connected. And well, that's for the general. That's that's there's two categories. One is you're just a prisoner in the material world. You don't have any relationship with Krishna apart from he's your and he has to be equal. You caused someone to die. You killed someone, or you did this, or cheated, or lied, or whatever. So according to that, you have this karma. So then you're going to get this birth, this kind of situation. You did some charity, you did some good work, so now you can uh, get some wealth. But because before you did this wrong thing, then instead of having wealth, you're going to have a kidney problem, so on and so forth. Through his different agents, he doesn't even do it himself. He's overseeing all, but he has delegates to different agents that do. Well, if he wants, he can intervene. But for his devotees, he intervenes. Like Prahlad, he personally came and saved Prahlad. There's so many devotees. Intervening doesn't mean that we're never going to die. But then he comes and helps us, he's with us. These devotees have passed away chanting Hare Krishna with a smile on their face. I, even one of my disciples said she went, her father was in a coma, and she read Bhagavad Gita to him, and then he started smiling. And then uh, the sister was a Christian, and she was before doubting that why you take up Hare Krishna and everything. But then she saw and said, Mother, Daddy's smiling. And the mother said, No, he couldn't be smiling. He hasn't smiled for ten years. <laughs> Never smiles. No, he's smiling, really. And the mother went and looked, and as long as she's reading Bhagavad Gita, he's smiling. In coma. Even the nurses, doctors are coming and seeing, they say, Well, his consciousness must be in a good place if he's. If he's smiling, you know, why do you smile? You're feeling good. So then, uh, but when she stopped reading, then, you know, no more smile. So then to keep him smiling, the mother, the sister, the other relative, they all took turns. 24 hours a day reading Bhagavad Gita. Long as he read Bhagavad Gita, he was smiling. Even he was not a devotee. Sometimes uh, if you have said one devotee in your family can liberate the whole family. If you become an uh, initiated devotee, you practice and you Go back to Godhead. Fourteen generation will be lived. Seven forefathers and seven children, grandchildren, like that. Free tickets. 
Which generation? Your maternal or your... But why are you saying that? <laughs> your mother and dad are both... Uh, ideas you have debts to your parents. They have debts to their parents and like that. So Krishna pays back all the debts by liberating all of them. But to your, to your, so not to your married side, to your, the, to my parents' side or to my in-laws' side? Whoever you're indebted to. Someone brought up, what about my previous life? What about those parents? <laughs> the life before that. Sometimes it is really technical questions. <laughs> I'm not allowed to speculate. Sometimes the scripture doesn't give all those details. The principle is that you have debts, Krishna pays them back. So if you feel indebted to your sasur, sasuri, whatever, your in-laws, they've been helping you, then why shouldn't Krishna deliver them also? But then we have to research, I don't know if there's any more details. Well, in regard to Puran, it mentions both. Sometimes it says paternal, sometimes maternal. See, here's a pundit, he knew the answer. <laughs> Something. <laughs> 